Any question tonight? Yes. Um, the Prophet made some statement that um, he always felt the presence of his guru, or that his guru was always with him. Um, so I was wondering if you could elaborate on what that means or uh, the implications of that or something. Actually, Prabhupada personally told me that on one occasion, I, uh, it was in 1977, and Prabhupada had fallen ill, and he was in Mayapur for the festival, and the festival was two weeks in Mayapur and two weeks in Vrindavan, so <clears throat> Prabhupada couldn't come down and give the lectures, and so at a certain point it became clear that he was not going to proceed on to Vrindavan for the rest of the festival, the second half of the festival. So I went to see him, and um, I told him that uh, I wasn't planning on going to the Vrindavan half of the festival. And he looked at me with rather large eyes and said, why not? And I said, well, I said, because you are not going to the festival and you are Vrindavan, you are the festival, as far as I'm concerned. And Prabhupada had told me personally there in Mayapur several years earlier during the first Mayapur Vrindavan festival that you should travel all year long and preach and then come and spend one month with me in Mayapur in Vrindavan so I reminded him of that hmm? and um, and so he appreciated the sentiment to be sure and um, but then he said no you are a preacher and you should go and preach to the devotees there. And he said, practically, I uh, never feel the absence of my spiritual master. Hmm? And then he said, just like in Bhagavad Gita, hmm? Krishna spoke in Bhagavad Gita many thousands of years ago. He's not here, but if we read in Bhagavad Gita, then we we follow it, we feel his, his presence there. So he was emphasizing the point that presence is not necessarily dependent on physical uh, proximity. Once I was sitting Ujjapatruta Marjan in his veranda and after the discussion and devotees got up to leave, one uh, fellow from another institution was there visiting and he made a effort to touch the feet of Sridhar Marsh and it was a bit of a commotion, kind of falling over other people and stuff like that. And Sridhar Marsh was kind of like, what's going on? And you know, he was like 90% blind at the time. And uh, then it became apparent to him what was, what was happening. And he said, oh, he said, huh, so that's what you think it means to touch the lotus feet of the guru. Hmm. And then he elaborated that it's not necessarily a physical thing, but proximity is determined on the basis of consciousness. Prabhupada used to give an example um, of an insect, like a fly, perhaps that might land on his lap, and how it was in much greater physical proximity to himself than those of us who were sitting at a distance but that we were closer to him by consciousness, hopefully. Hmm. Um, And lifetimes closer, if you will. So 
I think that's one basic and important point with regard to your your question. That uh, the same thing arises with regard to the Dom and the residence and so forth. Hmm? Therefore, there's an idea that the Dom, the holy Doms, the abodes of Krishna, Mayapur, Vrindavan, Jagannath Puri, these are our holiest of holy places, that there's something called proto-maya that covers the surface so that people can be living on the surface of it but not be touching the Dom, which is a consciousness realm. To think, therefore, it is said that the Dom is a limited to a geographical region, hmm? is a dom aparad. Just like you have nam aparads, there are dom aparads. So it's to think in a material way about the dom. Now, the dom is measured, nonetheless, um, but these measurements and the time, for that matter, within the leela, these are all assisting factors for the, the succession and... Uh, uh, of the of of events and so forth, but time, for example, is not um, have anything to do with origination hmm? or end. Nothing originates, nothing ends, in a sense. There, but for succession of events, then time has a role, assisting, hmm? and and so it's so it's said to be this within the context of the leela. It's this many kilometers, this many croches, and so on and so forth. But then to think of that in a material way and think it's only that big, or it only fits in this particular geographical area, just like one of Prabhupada's disciples once, reading the Krishna book, learned that Nanda Maharaj had 900,000 cows. And then he did the calculation based on the description of the, the measurement of Vrindavan. You have to measure it in relation to the city Mathura, and so forth, but this is for the sake of Leela. Hmm? In other words, there will be boundaries that appear to be so many miles or whatever uh, the measurement may be before you leave Vrindavan and enter Mathura, or if you cross the Jamuna, or you go into one forest or another forest, and so forth. Hmm? But, but um, again, that's for the sake of, of Leela. Hmm? The distance between Mathura and Vrindavan is the distance of consciousness. And Krishna appears differently in Mathura than he does in Vrindavan. So the fellow said, I, I've made a calculation and it is not possible for 900,000 cows to fit <laughs> in Vrindavan. Or to speak of that they were only Nanamarsh's cows. And so Prabhupada looked at him and said, you read too much. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Another example, I was walking with Prabhupada in Vrindavan, and um, one of the devotees asked that, Prabhupada, we do the parikrama, when you go to the the Dham, typically it's custom uh, during the Kartik or during the time of Holi and Gorpurnim to visit the Dham, and then you you go to the various places of of Krishna's pastimes. You go to Radhakund, you go to Govardhan Hill, and circumambulated, and so forth. And and so the physical fact is that some of these places are quite a distance. We would have to take a bus from Ramanriti, where uh, the Krishna Balaram Temple is located, for example, to, to Govardhan or to, to uh, Barsana, and so forth. And so 
one of the devotees asked Prabhupada, that given this reality in our experience, how is it that in the Leela, Krishna is, is going back and forth, you know, on, on foot, in what is a much shorter period of time, and has to get back home in time and so on. So how is this possible? Hmm. And so Prabhupada said, oh, he said, Vrindavan is like a lotus. Hmm? And like if you open your hand, as he did, he said, there are so many petals. Hmm? One petal is Varsanga, one petal is Nandagram, one petal is Radhakund, Vrindavan, and so on and so forth. Hmm? And when Krishna is on one of the petals, he wants to go to the other, the lotus closes like this. And then it opens again. So This was his answer. So all of these answers, if you will, to these types of questions are meant to, to they constitute a reply that um, more or less says these descriptions are meant to take us beyond our limited frame of reference. And then we try to confine them within our reference based on descriptions of them that are there for different purposes. Hmm? Then the whole purpose of the descriptions is lost. So mm-hmm. there's a different way of hearing about them and so forth. Um, so we, we have to hear with proper guidance and get these kind of answers and so forth and not try to fit it between our ears, so to speak. It is something, the Dom, for example, uh, a plane of consciousness that we have to talk about in objective terms, given our orientation. We have to apply language reasoning and so forth, but, but the, the subjective world is out of which the objective world comes. Hmm? Out of the subjective world, Brahman, the Absolute, comes the objective world. Hmm? It's just a part of it, kind of a shadow, the, sub, the, the subconscious of, of, the, of Brahman. Hmm? We can use different terms to try to <laughs> reference it and so forth. Hmm? But Prabhupada gives an example on his Bhagavatam covers of the f- first canto that he uh, arranged for the artwork of, and you have these Vaikuntha worlds and so forth floating in a sky of Brahman, and then there's like a, what is it, like a clouded area or something, and that this is the Mahatattva in the material world. Hmm. I've given an example that if you drive, you can think of it if you if you ever leave this place, which you don't have to. I'm down to uh, to, to San Francisco. It's big here. Hmm. It's big, small is big. It's huge. Uh, if you drive down to San Francisco, when you hit the Golden Gate Bridge, there you're coming out of the country, and the rural areas, the smaller areas, which I compare, especially here, am I or uh, Adarya to to Vrindavan to to to, uh, to Navadweep and the fog is a manifestation of the Ganges or the Jamuna and so you see that in the morning sometimes. But when you hit the Golden Gate Bridge, there ahead of you lies the city, hmm? and so to use to play out the analogy, there is Vaikuntha and so much seems to be going on. It's overtly very extraordinary. Hmm? Um, comparatively, of course, Audaria in the rural area is much nicer, and people of the city have a sense of that too. Hmm? Right? Just like the king wants to sometimes just take off his crown and walk in the forest, 
and see the natural flowers and and not even pick them. That is a Western idea. Eastern idea is not necessarily pick them. Of course, if we're going to pick them for Krishna, it's another thing. But we we have to have rather than to let it be, so to speak, and and appreciate it as it is. So at any rate, the the, the city is here. San Francisco, that's by Kunta, so many things going on, and here it's quiet and simple, but it's bigger in another way. And anyway, as you cross the bridge, if, if you're not careful, you won't even notice it. But there's a little island out there in the bay. It's called Alcatraz. Because hmm? it's no longer functioning, but it used to be a prison, and they would just break bricks or whatever in there all day long. And so that is like the Mahatattva, the big material world. Hmm? And... Uh, Everybody's basically breaking bricks or doing other types of menial tasks. That's the whole existence there and making making meaning out of it. When comparatively, I mean, what, what's, what's happening in, uh, in, the, in San Francisco game of fathom? Hmm. What possibilities lie there? So some type of example to help us uh, appreciate hmm. But then, to talk about that within Alcatraz, you know, of course, it's not a good example entirely. All analogies only go so far because people in Alcatraz have previously been in the city and so forth. But you've never been to Vaikuntha, so so you don't have a frame of reference. Hmm? The closest thing that you have as a frame of reference to it is yourself as a unit of consciousness, and you're totally identified with the objective world. You can't even talk about it practically. Would speak about its prospects in a, in a spiritual environment and so forth. But still, some people come from San Francisco to Alcatraz and they try to, or from 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 uh, Aldaria, and they try to talk about it to the prisoners. So that that's what it's like. The scriptures are trying to talk about sadhus so are trying to talk about this, the Dom, for example, in planes of consciousness and so forth. And we we we, we have to use language and reasoning that you can, the Alcatraz, the prisoner, can relate to. Hmm? And so we are accustomed to, well, how big is it? Hmm? And then immediately want to measure it hmm? and bring it in in our grasp. Hmm? We have that sense because we are, as small as we are as a jiva, we're bigger than the whole world in one sense. Hmm? Hmm? Therefore it said, if a man or woman inherit the whole world but lose his soul, then what has he gained? Nothing. Hmm? What profiteth a man if he should inherit the world but lose his his soul? Something like that. So, in that sense, qualitatively speaking, hmm, there's no no um, comparison. So, we are in that sense bigger, hmm? and therefore, that as the self starts to come to the fore in human life, as it does. The sense that we could, you know, capture the material world, we're bigger than it, and so forth, is kind of natural, in a sense. But then we try to capture it with intellect and confine it there, and so forth. And, and the way in which we're actually bigger is, and, and more meaningfully, is lost in that effort. Hmm? So there's a different way of going. It's a, you have to understand the, go, the way to go to Baikonth is totally counterintuitive <laughs> from the way we go anywhere. Hmm? Well, the way we get ahead and acquire and uh, and uh, and uh, make our way in the world, hmm? 
by establishing ourselves and and uh, and we were reading I think the other morning uh, and it reminded me of something I wrote to a fellow years ago Pujapachitamrish was commenting on Pudeshamrita a fellow had written to me that uh, he was a devotee and he had become a celebrity of some sorts in some sense at least in his own mind <laughs> and um, and so he had written to me about it and so forth and you know telling me his story and I, I and so I wrote very nice said, you know so you're really becoming somebody I said, I said I'm trying to I'm trying to become realize I'm nobody that's what I'm trying to do <laughs> so I'm working I'm still working on that <laughs> realize I'm nobody and nothing I mean I'm insignificant that's what I'm working on I haven't gotten very far but I'm working on it um, and so the very way to go is the opposite in terms of how we go and progress so-called um, by acquiring and, and and so forth and, and gaining recognition in, in this in this world the way to go is counterintuitive it goes against the grain it goes against our default and uh, the whole way of thinking about things it's Foreign, so that's to be changed at the core, at the foundation. So those kind of points are important, and then they save us from making the dom operads and and trying to arrest that plane with our intellect. We can't even arrest our tiny self, if you will, contain it in the intellect, capture it, understand it, describe it, define it, hmm? uh, and transcend it. Hmm? That's what to understand it means, in a sense. Hmm? To rise above it, to have command over it, and so forth. The intellect will never do that with the self, with the atma. Hmm? The atma is transcendental to the mind and the intellect, and so forth. For, for to realize it, it has to go in a different way than the way of acquisition and mental, physical, intellectual exercise. We will use, tax entirely, our physicality, our mental and emotional and, uh, and intellectual self in the service of Bhagwan. Hmm? And the service means all these things will be serving instruments, not that they will be the guiding light. Hmm? And the guiding light is something else, Guru, God, Shastra, and so forth, that has shown the way, revelation. Hmm? And then, so out of revelation from that world, this is the attempt to talk about this and so forth. And uh, so we tend to project and understand it, or think we understand it, in terms of the way we think we understand other other things. And so these are all examples of that. Hmm. Um, The Dham, it is said, has this covering, proto-maya, so... People stand on the covering. They don't really enter the dawn. Therefore, you go to the dawn. You go, who are all these people? They're supposed to be like in love with Krishna, and they're you know some of their their character may be questionable, and so on and so forth. And, and uh, I remember once going to Radhakund on Parkram and and with a group of devotees, and one fellow from Radhakund ran up and said, "I am Brajbasi. Mm, I am Brajbasi." Because it said in the scriptures that the Brajabhasis are worshipable and so forth. It's a, his idea of, I'm a Brajabhasi, I'm born in the Braj, give me money. And otherwise you can't go around Radhakund. It's said in the scriptures, he's quite in the scriptures. Hmm? It was very like uh, unbecoming and off-putting and so forth. He's very um, loud about it and so forth. So I said, I said to him, let me cite another something from the scripture for you. Trinadapi, Sanichena. <laughs> 
Tarora Pisa Hishnana, Manina Manadena Kirtaniya Sadahari. Mahaprabhu's third verse of Shikshastakam, about humility, tolerance, not expecting honor for oneself, and so forth. But he had no ear for it whatsoever. It was just going on and on. And so finally I called one of my Indian disciples, a young fellow, an Indian disciple. He wasn't a Brajbasi, but I pretended that he was. And I said, I said, so and so come, you're a Brajbasi? Yes, yes. There. I gave him a donation. <laughs> and then we went on. <laughs> of course, he still was complaining and so forth. So, um, some example of someone who's standing on the surface but not entering in. It's a plane of consciousness. Vrindavan. It's not a physical location. Hmm? There's a, a, a facsimile of a physical location. Boma Vrindavan. Hmm? The earthly Vrindavan. Hmm? Um, but if we study about that, we, we see it's, it's, it's not a physical location. It's not just a, limited to a geographical area. It's a consciousness. That's why you can... Rupa Goswami says that one should... Um, one of one of six very powerful limbs of bhakti. Sadhu Sangha, Nam Kirtan, Bhagavat Shravan. To do, have Sadhu Sangha, Nam Kirtan, hear the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Then to worship the deity, hmm? um, to live in Rindaban, what's the sixth one? Is it five? Maybe it says five, yeah, five. Okay, five, five, five. So of, of them, one of them is to live in Vrindavan. And about it, what does Rupa Goswami say, or Jiva Goswami in his comment on the verse, he says, that means that if you cannot live there in a geographical sense, but do live there in the mind. Hmm. So this is further evidence to the idea that it is a not a mental, but he means a meditative mind. Hmm. So it's subjective, it's super subjective. If you want to call the mental world a subjective world, Hmm? All filled with, 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 um, with, um, like, like a uh, mental world filled with approximations of what the physical world, the objective world, is like. You've got a mental world that's filled with approximations of what this world's about. Hmm? all jumbled together and, and so forth. Beyond that is the self, of course, the super subjective plane, which is the, the world of God. Hmm. The, uh, I would liken it to the, the daydream of God, and this world is kind of the night dream of God. Hmm. Something like that. At any rate, so there. Hmm. This is where Vrindavan exists. And so to go there is more than purchasing a plane ticket. Therefore, it's said also about visiting the Dom, for example, what? And it's also said, what does it, what does it constitute? What constitutes visiting the Dom? Hmm? The Bhagavatam tells us, what is that verse, famous verse, probably used to love to quote it. Hmm. Saeva Gokara. Saeva Gokara. Saeva Gokara. So one is a, one has the the booty, the intelligence of a cow or an ass only. I mean it's not very well developed. If they go to the Dham, to the holy place, to the sacred river, so on. So these are like tirtas, 
tirtha. Tirtha means a place, a crossing, hmm? like a portal hmm? to go to, to cross over from material consciousness to to spiritual consciousness. Hmm? A, a portal, a vortex, a Bermuda Triangle, like I said before, type of possibility. People go there and they never come out. Hmm? They said, but going there and what? Not taking advantage of sadhu sangha is to not go there at all. It's to have like the mentality of a cow or an ass. Hmm. Um, uh, so to go there is to have sadhu sangha, hmm. in a sense. Of course, the two are differentiated as well. Sadhu sangha and Maturavas to live in a holy place. But the two are also correlated in, in this way. Um, so what the sadhus are speaking about, the environment that they create, and so forth, hmm? by their consciousness. This we want to enter into. That. And that's what it means. Hmm? That the, what, what Prabhupada meant when he said that I never felt the absence of my guru and that I'm following his instructions. Hmm? So he was telling me, so you, 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 know, you go there, you're a preacher, he said. <laughs> he said, you should preach Bhagavad Gita. And when to speak of always feeling my presence, you'll always feel Krishna's presence. And um, and so there's no question of not being with me if you're involved in this type of enterprise. He said, your name is Triparari, so you have to defeat all the demons. Triparari is a name for Lord Shiva, who in the Bhagavatam is empowered by Krishna to deal with a very difficult uh, situation <laughs> created by Maya Donava, Tripur, three cities hmm, that were the defeating, were flying cities that were defeating the, the gods and there was no hope. Shiva was called and he got the power of Krishna. He became the Adi, the enemy of the three cities and prevailed and so forth. So he said, just like that, you should go defeat all the demons by preaching. Bhagavad Gita, hmm. and preach to the devotees. So the devotees are going there. You should go, and I'll be with you. Hmm. So this is the idea, and that really, in one sense, also is how Pujapachitamar schooled us with regard to the Prabhupada's disappearance from the world, his departure from the world. We were left there, homeless, so to speak, parentless. Um, in a, in a way. And uh, fortunately, by Prabhupada's grace, he had, he had opened the door to the association of Sridhar Maharshi. And we went through the, through the opening, so... Um, but he, he schooled us in this way. With regard to the disappearance of Prabhupada, how it creates an opportunity to connect with the Guru on another level. There's a necessity now that has arisen in that circumstance. Hmm? And what we've learned and gathered and so forth, now it's come to be tested and, and so forth. And, and so it's all part of the instruction. Hmm? Coming from Krishna, arranges the guru, brings a manifestation of the guru, takes him away, so on and so forth. So um, to see it in, with a continuity hmm? part of the teaching and what was to be and now we were getting a little auxiliary help and so forth to deal with the situation and proceed onward then he left and so on hmm? 
and so forth. Once Puja Pachita Maharaj told me, he said that after the guru leaves, you have three choices. One choice is that you find someone who can represent him accurately and serve that person, assist that person. The second choice is to be that person, to find Gurudev in your heart and be guided by his instruction. He said, that's not so easy, but that is also a viable option. Obviously, you can't follow someone unless someone does that. So these are the two options. And the third option was what? Get out of the way. Either you become the person who leads and understand all the implications of that, what that means. Or you follow someone who does, or get out of the way and let the thing go on. It's a good instruction because you can see a lot of devotees can't even get out of the way, unfortunately. Neither can they lead, and they admit it as such, nor they are willing to acknowledge this is how they can't get out of the way that anybody else could lead. This way they only they get in the way and all in the name of of Prabhupada and so forth. These kind of things are have happened in, in, in our um, recent experience over the last few decades. So um, so this is the idea behind it. Hmm? It's a um, uh, question of consciousness. Separation is said to make the heart grow fonder. Krishna is more present, I've said, in Vrindavan, in his apparent absence, hmm? that brings the fever of, of separation in the hearts of the devotees. He's more present there in his apparent physical absence than he is in his apparent physical presence in Dwaraka. Hmm? Rukmini, Satyabhama, have Krishna staying in the palace with him at night. Hmm? And they hear him in the dreams, calling out the names of the gopis, Nanda, Yashoda, his friends, Sri Subal. So, you know, you, what do you dream about at night? That's what you think about during the day. So they realize he's with us, but he's actually there. <laughs> more. He's physically here, but actually he's more there. Hmm? Why he's dreaming about them? You dream about what you think about during the day. Hmm? So they know that. Hmm? And they're awed by the inhabitants of Vrindavan. He's apparently absent, but he's present. It's said also that in, in the presence of Krishna, there's one Krishna. And in the absence of Krishna, there are millions of Krishnas. In other words, in the absence, the heart has a necessity that causes it to look and be reminded of him everywhere. Everything you see, oh, it's reminding me of him, reminding me of him, the drum. And he used to play the drum like this. Hmm? The seat, he used to sit there like this. Hmm? The book, he wrote the book. And, uh, all these. Otherwise, he's here, there's the book, there's the drum, and there's one. I mean, letting the Prabhupada, for example, is one Prabhupada in his absence, and everything you see is painful, remind you of him. Oh, he was, and he was, and he did this, and he was there. Oh. And he's absent, but he's present everywhere. Hmm? So, even in the separation, you can see there is a, there is a, a union. Hmm? 
that's very deep and esoteric and and so uh, there's uh, the presence is always felt even if he's apparently not present so that's the culture culture and again we have to understand that our this is all about participating in the, in the subjective world all the possibilities there. You know, the objective world is just a small thing, just a shadow compared to the light. What the soul is doing when it's passed out, sleep, compared to its waking state. What possibilities are there? Does that help? What else? Yes? Um... We usually think of sadhana bhakti as um, the more arduous sort of pursuit, more effortful. Um, but to the extent that Sharanagati is in place for the devotee and the devotee is moving in concert with Krishna's will, how much can we think of sadhana as play? Uh-huh. Um, play implies I think effortlessness hmm. I mean, we may exert effort to play but it's 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 not a it's not like a, a necessity it's an overflowing and so forth so um, typically, I think you're, you're you're right that it's not depicted sadhana as as play, but there is a point where the sarnagati becomes in place, as you put it, in higher stages, like in ruchi, bhakti, hmm. and in ruchi it's described in shikshastakam shreyakayrabhachandrikavatarnam. Something tangible from the other side is showing up. It's there already, coming, but it's starting to to manifest, and so forth. Um, and the in Ruchi and Asakti, these are the last stages of Sadhana Bhakti before Bhava Bhakti. I would say they're more like Bhava Bhakti than they are like Anartha Nivriti and uh, Bhajana Kriya and these early stages of uh, and even Nishta of sadhana bhakti. There's a crossing over at that point at which, as you say, sharanagati is in place. And bhava bhakti is considered to be sadhya, attainment. It's the goal of, of sadhana bhakti. Even though prem is to be attained, you bhava bhakti is characterized as a, as a ray of the sun of prem. So, that which Baba is constituted of, a distillation, a concentration of Baba. Hmm? You have some Baba to, to concentrate. And so the play, if you will, in Baba Bhakti is the culture of this, this Baba. Hmm? And, and because it's at a stage of, of, of attainment and liberation, it it more constitutes a play, and it's not characterized as sadhana. It's characterized as perfection, 
sadhya, even though there is a further perfection, if you will, to be developed, and that whole perfection is play. So in bhava bhakti, I think we could characterize it more as having crossed over from what would you say effort to 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 to, to, to play to lila. And the higher stages of sadhana bhakti, there's some greater um, sense of that. And for example, in um, uh, or budding sense of that, in, in Asakti, Vishwana Chakritakura describes sometimes the, 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 uh, uh, the, the sadhana bhakti in Asakti will see things like... Um, Um, in nature, the deer's footprints, or the deer, a deer coming, looking at him and running the other way, or something, and then he'll, he'll think, oh, Krishna's telling me something through the deer here, and and you'll think the guy's crazy. You know, what's he talking about? Something like so. He starts to read things like that, as if the whole world is speaking speaking to him about Krishna, and it, it's more of. Um, a dramatic-like type of um, uh, life, the mind, uh, Leela-like, the mind in Nishta is trying to stay fixed on Krishna and its default is still going the other direction. In Asakti, that's reversed out. Hmm? And the mind naturally goes to Krishna and sees things in relation to Krishna. Hmm? And then, by by some bad association, maybe dragged somewhere, and the, the conversation becomes very mundane, and he just he feels very uncomfortable hmm? in, in that. And and just like your mind automatically goes somewhere else. Hmm? We sit down and have a discussion. Then, you know, under yourself, you, you just may end up talking about all the prajalpa we heard about this morning, hmm? useless talk, idle talk, and so forth. There'll be a stage where you're aware of that. That's the problem. So you control that and don't let the talk. Or you don't let you allow yourself, as Mahabhu told Raghunath Das, don't listen to worldly talks. Don't engage in them. So there's a point where you can okay, it's gone this far. I'm going to keep it Krishna conscious and then bring it back. And then that goes too far. And then some people really like that, and other people just say, I got to get out of here. I can't take that. Um, so. The default, even in Nishta, is it goes the other way. In Asakti, the default is it's gone, it's gone. It goes automatically towards Krishna. It starts to read the environment as if the environment is talking to him about about Krishna, hmm. um, and gives sending the messages. And huh, oh, they, they get, you get this kind of childish reading, if you will, of things at times. So this is. I would say, um, moving in that uh, direction. I have compared Ruchi to a stage where the medicine becomes like food. So there is a definite shift there. As I said, some nourishment coming directly from the other side. So it's more like like play, like 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 Lila, Lila Seva, Internally, of course, there's two. You're, you're, there's a couple of things here. There's the internal life, and then there's the external. I've been talking a little bit about 
really the external environment, but then in meditation there's internal life and so forth. And Leela Seva, I think you're talking about how much the external life becomes like Leela. I, I think that 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 in a sense when even in lower stages of sadhana, when one becomes very absorbed, then the devotee will start will start to see and experience, at least for some time, think there's a synchronicity to things. Things are happening all for a purpose. There's a person behind it. It's all working out. Hey, the guy just showed up, and that's just what we needed. And and when you when you become absorbed, then you start to read like that. Guru Maharaj told me to read this book. Wow, was exactly what I needed here, and and so forth. And and then. And so on, and so if you get as much as you in your sadhana you get absorbed, then in that sense that I'm speaking about, it would seem like it's a, it's play and everything's there's there's the game you're involved in it and it's all huh oh and we are sent here to learn this and wow it's an adventure something like that perhaps that's what you're maybe referring to or that's a way in which it comes to my mind that sadhana even in the lower stages can be like. Um, like a Leela. Hmm. And we were sent here to find something out, and then we went over here and we found this out. And, and so it's a great, make a movie out of it, a great adventure. Hmm. Um, but when you're not absorbed, then you don't make those those connections. Hmm. Hmm. And it seems more like effort. So when you're very absorbed, it's, it's effortless, and everything's working according to plan, and you're an instrument in it and everything's there's no problem hmm? something like that does that help something else yes what's the time uh, I read somewhere I think by Bhaktisiddhanta that the perspective one should have on matter is that one should see the different material elements as combining just to serve Krishna mm-hmm. how how should we think of that? Because we also have matter cannot please Krishna and I think that and if he doesn't even he's not 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 like he's aware of matter. No what? He's not aware of, of matter or Well, I mean I don't um Krishna's uh, I wouldn't say he's not aware of matter, we talk about Krishna being absorbed and thinking that he's the son of Yashoda and there's no thought of matter. That that side is there, but that's not all there is to Krishna. He is also omniscient. And um, other manifestations of himself are more concerned with with such, with the material world. And um, Mahavishnu, this is the play of Mahavishnu. Hmm? So it's called Shristi Lila, the Lila of creation. Mahavishnu, this is, he, he's involved in the, and he's the Paramatma. That's what I was talking about earlier. You, know, you see, like this, you feel like there's the Paramatmas there everywhere. He's in every, arranging everything, hmm. this kind of thing. So it feels like, like a Leela, like it's a, like you're, it's a game that's been set up, and you're, you're part of it, and you figure out how oh, I'm part of the game, and, and it's pretty interesting. <laughs> um, so, in that sense, the material world is part of the Shristi Leela of Mahavishnu, and, um, and it's. Providing negative impetus for for bhakti, and um, it, there can it can even be provide positive impetus, vishvam purnam sukhayate, all kind of things to offer to Krishna, or the game is to excavate Krishna's connection with all these things. 
huh, I will use this in Krishna's service and so forth. Um, so it becomes exciting. Does that help? What else? Yes. Uh, I'll a question. I don't even know the context of this, but we were just talking at the Madhavar um, shop here, um, and he was talking about how there was one point where Krishna and the coward boys would sit um, in Krishna, they all told one secret, and Krishna's secret was that he actually enjoyed like Messing around the material world. I don't know. I never heard anything like that. Jai Gaur Nitananda Prabhuski Jai Gaur Bhaktivinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Jai 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 J